I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Assessing your strengths and weaknesses in 2022 and building goals for the upcoming year. As we approach the end of this year, many people begin to think about 2023 racing plans. The day we're recording this podcast is actually the same day that everyone's getting their Chicago marathon acceptance or denial for some of those people who didn't get in. But this is definitely the time where people are beginning to think about next year's racing plans. But before we dive into signing up for all of the races, we believe it is important to assess our 2022 progress and set yourself up for success next year by setting defined goals. If we don't assess the past mistakes or if we don't learn lessons from things that maybe went wrong this year, we can actually be doomed to repeat them again next year or in subsequent years if we just never address these things that happened. So no one actually had a quote-unquote perfect running year in 2022. Even if you PR'd in every single race, even if you hit all of your goals, there's still something that you can learn from this year going forward. And there is still something that can be uncovered and learned from our experiences. No race is ever perfect, and there's always a learning opportunity in there. Even if you had a stellar race, you can learn what worked really well for you, and you can also learn from things in training that maybe didn't go so well or things in training that worked really well for you. So the big ticket item of this podcast is just really reviewing what you did last year. And so you might want to sit down with some pen and paper at some point and really put things to paper to really summarize how things went for you. What we're going to be talking about on this podcast, the first topic we'll talk a lot about the consistency of your training. So that's going to be the number one thing that really helps you get to that next level. So diving into more of the details there, it'll be like weekly mileage. What did your workouts look like? What did your easy runs look like? Did you get injured? That sort of thing. Next, we're going to be talking about the season of life you are in. So 2022 maybe was one season of life for you. And then as you move into 2023, is anything going to change? Maybe it's going to be exactly the same. Maybe you have kids that are in elementary school and next year they're still going to be in elementary school and you're not adding anyone to your family. You're not making any career changes. And it's just a really stable year for you to continue doing what you kind of did last year or maybe even growing from that. But perhaps you're in a different boat, right? Maybe you're thinking about going back to grad school or you're thinking about doing a massive career change. You're thinking about adding someone to your family. Maybe you're getting married. There's just a lot of things that can happen from year to year. And so you want to assess the season of life you're in and then how that will impact your potential goals for next year. Maybe you're actually in a place where there is more stability and you are actually able to train more next year. So we'll talk in detail about that. Next, we're going to talk about races. And so we're going to just go to a deep dive of how did your races go in 2022? How can you improve mentally and physically from those things? 
And then we'll also talk about goal setting. And I think this is going to be the most important part of this podcast for everyone listening. Make sure you stay tuned in for this part because setting goals is the number one most important thing if you want to have a guiding light for where you're going with your training. It can be really easy to not think about this because a lot of people, they don't want to put their goals out in the universe. The thing is you don't really have to tell anyone what your goals are, right? So let's say you have a goal, like a huge goal, five, 10 years in the future. I think it's really important to know what that is. So maybe your goal five, 10 years in the future is it could be running a hundred miler, or it could be qualifying for Boston, or it could be running your first marathon. It could be anything, but it has to be something that seems almost unattainable now. And that's a really like long-term goal. Then we're gonna wanna break it down. So we'll talk about how we break things down so that we can have little benchmarks along the way and what you should be aiming for this next upcoming year to really set yourself up for success in gearing up towards that really big goal. So I guess getting started with how this year went, the number one thing we want to talk about first off is that whole consistency of training piece. So Jason, how do you help athletes assess their consistency of training? Do you have any athletes where maybe things weren't as consistent and how do you think you will adjust things going forward into the new year to help with that consistency piece and why it's important? Yeah, this is a great starting point to reflect on the past year and figure out um, just overall strengths and weaknesses. Uh, Consistency is the biggest thing we want to look at, and you can do that a lot of times by looking back at whatever you use to keep track of your runs, right? So maybe that's Garmin Connect, Strava. We have training peaks for our athletes, so it's nice to be able to look at, um, you know, weekly weekly mileage averages, stuff like that. And so, um, you know, I think just as a whole, reflecting on – a training cycle or it might even be the the entire year if you've been working with an athlete year after year and then just comparing the two right so you're looking back at maybe like it was their fall marathon training cycle um compared to the spring one that sort of thing and so coming up with um a few things that maybe went well and then a few things that didn't go so well um a lot of times athletes might get sick or they have like a minor flare-up or injury so some of those are uncontrollable and you just we had to overcome them or pivot slightly and try to get back on track and so obviously when those happen it's tough to you know it, it's tough to compare them to previous training cycles that maybe went better um, but sometimes that's just the reality right um, different things happen as we as we train over the course of a year and so um, the biggest thing though is we want to look at those controllables so things like workouts um, and then you know uh, weekly or uh, number of runs per week that sort of thing and just kind of comparing those totally so just when I like to think about consistency, I'm always thinking weekly mileage. And I think, you know, runners are falling into two camps. So as you're assess or into three different camps, as you're assessing your training from last year, what was your mileage like, right? Think over how many days per week were you running? What was your average um, running? You can even go on Strava or on Training Peaks or and any sort of tracking device like Garmin Connect and kind of swipe through, like, what was your average weekly mileage and you can make some inferences and reflections from that so think back to like how you were feeling during those more peak times of your training um did you feel good did you feel like you were making progress did you feel like it was the right mileage for you or did you have times where you were like like i feel flat um i'm not making progress or you just felt like it was a drag to get out the door. Some of those are signs that maybe you were doing too much. And so when we're reflecting on weekly mileage, you either maybe did a little bit too much, you either are right at the sweet spot, that's you know pretty rare, but you could be right at that sweet spot for you and just continue doing that, or you could be just not doing enough. So signs that maybe you're doing a little bit too much Um, just an example, right? Someone recently kind of reached out to me. They've been working with a different coach for the last uh, two years, previously worked with Run for PRs. But um, in looking at her weekly mileage, I just thought, uh, you know, it's a little, it's a little high for um, kind of the situation that's going on. It seemed like she, she had told me that she hadn't really hit a PR in several years and in fact she was maybe getting slower at some distances and so I was looking at her mileage and thinking this is pretty high for not seeing improvement so if we scale back and we're able to focus more on the quality and really get those speed workouts get those threshold workouts you're actually going to see that you have improvements because sometimes people overload the body with so many miles 
which I guess is great if like you're training for an ultra marathon and it's just time on feet and you're just trying to build endurance. But if you have speed related goals, like setting a marathon PR or setting 5k PR, that sort of thing, we're going to really need to balance that with quality. And so if you're not able to hit those quality workouts during the week, that's going to be a sign that maybe we're doing too much mileage or too much other workouts, right? Sometimes people are going to like orange theory or they're biking a lot. You really have to manage that stress load and prioritize two quality workouts per week. However, you're going to do that. Um, it kind of varies from person to person, but really assess like, was my load of mileage holding me back from performing and hitting my workouts? Cause that's really the bread and butter. That's where you're going to get faster. Yeah, I really like how you talk about the three camps because, you know, I'm sure we have listeners that fall somewhere within there. And, you know, if you're someone that was doing too much, a lot of times you're, you think you have to do more than you actually do, mm-hmm. right? It's like a fear. Like I have to run six days a week when really, you know, it becomes like a chore and you could get by running five days a week, that sort of thing. And especially if you're someone that really feels refreshed after a rest day, you know, right. that's, that's a big sign that you could benefit from more rest. Um, and if you're someone that maybe didn't train enough or you had too many periods of like inconsistencies, and I know looking back at my yearly totals every year, sometimes you see that, right? One month might be like, I don't know, 180 miles, the next month might be 80, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And so just trying to figure out like, what could I do to be a little bit more consistent? Um, and then for the people that are, you know, fairly consistent, they are, you know, they're doing sort of a similar build year after year doing these you know certain races throughout the year sometimes it just continues to take time right and trust the process and then do these other things that we're going to talk about here coming up but really you just need to stay consistent and um maybe sometimes that that will result in in uh, break breakthroughs or maybe you can start to maybe add a mile here or there that sort of thing to increase your weekly mileage totals absolutely and i always think the best weekly mileage is the one that you can be consistent with indefinitely like forever so what is the weekly mileage total that you could hang on to if i said you have to do this for an entire year think about what would that be for you and i think that's a really honest look into things because if you're like whoa you know i don't think realistically sustainability wise for the entire year I don't think I could run more than 30 miles per week. week. Well, that should be your benchmark. We shouldn't be trying to hit these arbitrary numbers just because Strava or just because this or that. And obviously you can build a little on that, like when you're in the seasons of marathon training and stuff, but really keep that in mind that that's like your base level and you don't want to get too far from that base. Um, Even if someone else's base is higher, it's, it's hard to not play the comparison game, especially if you're comparing yourself to your past self, right? When we're talking about, hey, let's cut back your mileage, let's not do a ton. I know that can seem counterintuitive, but it can allow for these other things we're gonna talk about. So we did mention a little bit earlier about the workout days, and that's actually gonna be the most important part when it comes to improving and getting faster. We do talk a lot about easy runs, and that's obviously important too, but I find that it's really, the easy runs really just help aid with your ability to do workout days. So you wanna make sure you're doing the correct type of workouts for whatever it is your goal is and whatever race you're training for and making sure you're not going maybe too hard on your workout days or doing these workouts that maybe aren't giving you the benefits that you think they are. Um, I think a really easy trap to fall into when it comes to workouts is getting into that mindset of, oh, I'm going to push it. I'm going to go really hard. But we want to keep in mind that the marathon, half marathon distance, um, even 5K, 10K, they are all 90%, if not more, um, using that aerobic system. So you want to be doing workouts that are helping lower your threshold, helping increase your stamina, helping to build endurance and that aerobic engine. And when we're spending too much time focused on things that are in that anaerobic zone, so things that are maybe faster than 5K, 10K pace, we're not actually stressing your aerobic system. And so where I see a lot of people kind of fall stray is they start doing a lot of this really fast stuff because it is a confidence booster. It is fun to go fast, but is it in line with what your actual goal is for running a marathon PR? There are maybe some better workouts that you could be incorporating um, if that is your goal. 
Yeah, and to go along with workouts, you know, one thing that might affect you with uh, staying consistent over the years is injuries. And so I'm someone that's experienced these over the years, and it's typically injuries occur for a couple of reasons. One, you're you're just overtraining, right, and your body's riding the line for too long. But a big, the biggest one I think is that you just do too much too soon. So you're not really following that progressive overload principle. You might um, just jump up too much too quickly in mileage or in workouts and not recover. Um, especially, this is very common. If you go into like a marathon training program and you haven't really been doing many workouts and then all of a sudden you're not only doing workouts but you're increasing mileage at the same time so um that's really the big thing is identifying what can you do to minimize your risk of injury and so it might start with um following a more of a progressive plan right or working with a coach it might be uh, incorporating more strength training it might be having a pt that you can visit uh you know weekly or as needed when things start to um sort of flare up on you so yeah, injuries is huge, but that's probably, for me, I know that's been the biggest battle for staying consistent over the past few years. Definitely. Doing too much too soon definitely brings about injuries. I've been lucky to stay relatively injury-free, but I do remember the last um, flare-up I had was like a plantar fasciitis thing about two and a half years ago when I started ramping back up postpartum after having my second child and maybe just doing a little bit too much because I was used to running when pregnant. I was used to having deck. I've had like decades of running where, you know, I was consistently at a certain mileage. So when I ramped back up, I just thought, Oh, like I'll be able to get back into that mileage, but it should have been more progressive and a little bit slower. And I think that's where, um, a lot of runners kind of go astray as they're comparing themselves to the past. So, they might think, oh, you know, I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to do that, but we're not there anymore. We're where you are currently. So you want to build from maybe like, what have you been doing the last six weeks? What have you been doing the last month? Your body doesn't really necessarily remember that stress load from two years ago. So we want to make sure we're building progressively over time. And yes, there is that aerobic base component where, yeah, you, Jason, you're probably that VO2 max that you've developed over the last 20 years, that's still with you. But that whole mechanics of running, running right. is a really high impact sport. And so even though you might have like the VO2 max to be able to go out and run a fast time, it's it's the physical part where your muscular skeletal system needs to catch up. So anytime we're talking about injuries, I always think it's the muscular skeletal system right. for the most part that's just not able to handle the load. And so what a really good option for people who are finding that they are getting injured, it's probably because your aerobic system is more developed than your muscular skeletal system. So things that can help are strength training, doing a progressive overload. So making sure we're not running too many miles, like you had mentioned, but also a great option is cross training. So you could be doing more cycling, biking, um, it, like what we're doing right now, we're doing a lot of cross country skiing. I know it's winter right now. So if you live somewhere with a lot of snow, Nordic skiing is a really good way to cross train and not get the same, um, I don't know, yeah, impact on your impact. body. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a low, lower impact sort of vibe. And, um, we just want to be aware of like, what are we more prone to? Are we prone to getting injured? And if so, maybe incorporating more cross training into the upcoming years can help you with the consistency in your training, which can ultimately help you reach your goals sooner. Yeah. Really well said. I was going to add to that how like sometimes it's you have to hold yourself back physically because mm -hmm. mentally you want to do more, right? Because it feels good or whatever, or you're used to working harder maybe years ago, um, but your body for whatever reason just maybe can't quite handle that. And so, yeah, spending that extra energy and time on doing cross training, you know, or learning a new, maybe it's just picking up something, figuring out how to swim, right? Or spending more time on the bike or rowing or whatever. And so, um, you know, that can help you, I think, with just being a little bit more accountable to following that slower progressive build with your running and not overdoing it definitely it's a good thing to keep in mind and just know that it can take time to build your mileage back up and to get back to that place um, i remember running with one of our old cross country coaches i think he was about 50 at the time and he wanted me to like pace him to do this threshold workout and so i'm thinking okay you're doing threshold workouts i don't usually do workouts with people but when i'm doing a threshold workout i'm pretty focused i don't really want to 
chat much. Right. Like I want to conserve energy. Um, he was just chatting, chatting away. And so I had to think, wow, okay, it's more of the muscular skeletal system for him that's really um, holding him back. Aerobically, it was like a joke for him out there. But again, like when your body goes through changes, like you're maybe becoming a master's runner, things just are a little bit different. So you might have to make some adjustments. And that kind of is a good segue into this seasons of life and routine. Um, obviously as we get older, it's a progressive process, right? It's not like, boom, you hit 40 or 50 and all of a sudden you have to completely change how you're training, but it is something to keep in mind, right? So someone like me, for example, I've been training kind of the same way for several years, but as you get older, you might start to notice like, whoa, okay, like this mileage maybe isn't feeling as great as it was last year and making those little tweaks here and there. So maybe in the past you've been just crushing it, hitting 50 miles a week, no problem, but maybe you're getting a little older and your body is changing. And so maybe 45 is a new sweet spot for you. So just knowing, um, what that could be and being open to that. Cause nothing is permanent, nothing lasts forever. And we are always changing and evolving. Our bodies always need a little bit of a different approach to things. So keeping that open mind and knowing that sometimes the best thing we can do is make those minor adjustments and listen to our bodies so that we are able to be more consistent and to really continue on that path towards our long-term goals. Yeah, this is a big one because I feel like this is where people might, um, you know, if they're in a tough season of life or some a busy period where they're going through changes or they just seem to not be able to mentally commit to all the training, right? Um, they might be apt to taking a lot of time off. Um, and so, you know, then we drop the consistency piece, right? And so it, it becomes harder then to reach our long-term goals. And so the biggest thing you could do is just figure out, okay, well, I'm maybe not able to commit to a marathon or half marathon this year or, you know, this, this summer, fall, winter, that sort of thing. And so you would maybe figure out what is a plan that is attainable for me to do. Maybe it's, if you're used to running six days a week, maybe now you're going to drop down to four or five and you're going to reduce your mileage by 20%, you know, no more long runs. You're just going to focus maybe on speed. Um, you know, other times people might want to spend some time focusing on 5k, 10k, getting, just getting a little bit faster. And regardless of if you have a race on the calendar or not, I think races can help with that accountability piece. So if you're likely to fall off, it's nice to be able to still have something to work towards. Right. Um, you can set weekly mileage goals, but sometimes the races are the sort of checkpoints. And so um, it's nice to be able to do those and to gain more experience. Definitely. And before we go like race crazy, right? I also think it's important to assess like more specifically what season of life are you in, right? Are there going to be big changes in the upcoming year? I know whenever we do our taxes every year, our accountant kind of is like, are you going to have any major changes to the next year? Like major changes in income or children or whatever. But I think as runners, we should also be asking the same question. Like, am I going to have any major changes next year? That could include career change, adding family members, um, having kids going off to college, uh, financial change, moving. There's just so many things that can happen within a calendar year. And these are all factors that do impact your training, regardless of if we think they do or not. I know divorce is a very common one that my athletes or even like friends that go through that, that can definitely be a huge stressor. And for some people, and everyone reacts to these stresses differently, right? So you could have a career change that actually allows you to run more, or you could have a career change that doesn't allow you to run as much. You could be going through changes that allow more flexibility and freedom in your schedule. Like maybe your kids are going off to college and all of a sudden, wow, I have a lot more free time. I'm going to prioritize myself and my training a lot more. Well, that's awesome. And that's good to know because then maybe we can add in more strength training. We can really focus and dial in on like all these little things and really go all in. Maybe it's um, easier to schedule your races. You don't have to think about as much stuff. But if you're in a season where okay, like maybe you're, you just had a baby or something and you're really excited to get training into the next year, we really want to be cautious for like how many races we're signing up for because we don't really know like what it's going to look like necessarily if you just had a baby, right? Like things might change. You might want to like wait things out, see how you feel and maybe have more of a loose plan. So what I recommend for a lot of my athletes is let's maybe just look for something that's maybe 
four or five, six months in the future, maybe it's a 5K race and just have a few on the schedule that you could maybe be thinking about. And then as the race gets closer, we can really zoom in, dial in and register. And I know a lot of people want to like save money by getting the early registration fees. And I think you save maybe like $10 or something like that if you register early. But I think you're at a better advantage if you wait things out and you're just able to sign up maybe last minute and maybe that means selecting a a cheaper race option Um, but i think it's better to kind of wait things out if you are going through a season where you are going to have a little bit more stress in your life Um, if you also have maybe a lot of time constraints and stuff like that you really want to make sure you're planning ahead too so anytime that you're coming up with a race that you want to do next year outline it write it down somewhere before you sign up for these things because if you are having a race every three weeks every four weeks it's just too much sometimes and we want to make sure that we actually have time to do the training for these races and you want to make sure that the races actually make sense for what your goals are so if your goal is to run a marathon in all 50 states and you just want to do it as quickly as possible I have different advice for you. Like maybe you're just going to go and and do your thing, sign up for as many races as possible. But if you're like, my goal is to run a marathon PR this fall, we want to be strategic about the races that we're signing up for, the races we're thinking about. We don't want to be racing constantly because that takes away from our ability to train consistently. And the training is actually what makes you faster for race day. Yeah, I really liked how you talked about just assessing uh, the season of life you're going to be in every year because that's really important. I know a lot of times we just like, think about the races we want to do first, right? And then we kind of plan our year around that. But mm-hmm. really, we should be doing what you're saying is looking at our life as a whole, figuring out like, um, you know, are there going to be any major changes and figuring out what's the best time to do a race? Then you can kind of plan which is going to be the best race for me mm-hmm. and race distance. But a lot of times we don't do that because we want to experience, you know, New York City or Chicago or whatever it is. And so um, if you do you know, do it that way where you, you sign up for the race first and then you, you realize that things are maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. stressful mm-hmm. than you thought, you know, then you can always adjust your goals, right? And I, I know a lot of athletes, they put so much pressure on themselves right. to hit like a certain time just because it's like, well, it's like their 10th marathon now, so they should be faster than they were on their third or fourth. But it's not always the case, right? And so it's just really important to be aware of like everything that does influence your running. Right. And sometimes you have years or seasons of life where it may seem like you're moving backwards from where your long-term goal is like, and that can be really tough. And like you said, maybe removing the pressure during those seasons. For example, I registered for the 2018 Boston Marathon in September of 2017. And at the time I was eight months pregnant with my first child. I had no idea what I was signing up for registering to run the Boston Marathon at like four or five months after giving birth for the first time. I just had no idea. Um, People could tell you, but nothing really prepares you until you're like in that moment and you're in the season and you're like, wow, okay, this is, I definitely don't have a shot to run fast. It's more about like finishing. And that can be really tough because prior to that, prior to that pregnancy, pretty much every marathon was an attempt to PR, was an attempt to like be my fastest self, but I really had to do a mind shift change during that time and thinking, okay, do I even really want to run this marathon? And if yes, which I ended up doing, I had to set up myself for success in a different way, right? So success was just finishing, running a negative split. And it was actually my first ever negative split marathon. So yes, it was 30 minutes slower than my PR, but it was still an attempt to move in the direction of my long-term goal. And I think where a lot of people get hung up is there is a season of life change. Maybe they're not as fit as they used to be. And then they think, oh, you know, like I'm moving backwards. I'm not moving towards my goal. You can still be moving towards your goal even if you are slower than what you used to be. Um, And then I think it was probably, what, eight months later, I ended up running a marathon PR um, when my son was one year old. And so it's just like I was moving in the direction of that marathon PR. It's just that was the step of where I was at is I had to just finish the Boston Marathon and not put too much time goal and put too much pressure on it. And I think if I would have put so much pressure on myself and get discouraged, I wouldn't have been able to stay consistent through the rest of that year to run a marathon PR later. And so it's just thinking about where you're at 
right now and what do you need to be doing in the next couple of months and being kind to yourself along the way. So if you have goals like that are really out in the future, oh, I want to run a Boston qualifying time, it might take a really long time to get there and your journey might not look like maybe this perfect roadmap of like, I'm hitting this benchmark, this one, that one. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we move backwards before we move forward and that's totally okay and understand that's part of the journey. I recently ran a sub three hour marathon and that was a goal that I maybe had in the back of my head for, you know, nine years. And so were there times where I was like, that's probably never going to happen? Yeah, but I just kind of still kept that as my guiding force. That was something I really wanted to do. I didn't really have like a strict time goal of when it needed to happen. I was always just kind of moving in that direction. And were there marathons where I ran significantly slower than my PR? Absolutely, but it's all a part of the journey and you can learn things along the way. And I definitely did learn some very difficult lessons along the way, but that's all that running is about. It's about reflecting on how can I improve and how can I get better? And that's really what running is all about. Yeah, I like how you talk about your your own experiences and, and talking about races in general. I think that when we reflect back on our races, we put so much emphasis on the time, right? But mm-hmm. we forget about what did we, what were the things that we had to go through um, right. during that race, right? Like the mental challenges and how we overcame them. And, you know, I think part of the reason you did PR in your marathon was you ran some really good half marathons. So you were prepared. Mm-hmm. It gave you that confidence, right? And a lot of times people don't really you know they don't meet their potential or push themselves in a half and they expect to go into their next full and and do well and it's like well you know there are other ways to measure like that progress that you're that you should be getting you know and so i think there's a lot of benefits to doing other races and not just doing the same distance you know you can even race 5k 10ks and get get things out of that that are going to help you down the road when you go back to racing halves or fulls and so um looking at you know pacing how you paced it how you overcame challenges during the race maybe it was weather conditions Maybe it was, um, you know, you were running alone versus with a pack, that sort of thing. And um, just key takeaways like that. Definitely. There are just a lot of factors that go into reaching your goals. And I think the marathon hamster wheel is definitely something that's pretty common. So if you're someone that's been running several marathons a year or more than one marathon a year and you're just not really seeing improvements anymore, that was me for a couple of years there. Um, early on in my marathoning experience and it was really frustrating because you're putting in a lot of work but you're just not seeing the results that you want and sometimes taking a step back to reevaluate and go okay well maybe like running four marathons in a year isn't ideal for me if my goal is to run a faster marathon time maybe it's I really need to push myself in a racing environment because I think that was kind of the crux of the issue I just didn't really want to Um, admit it to myself because it is really difficult to go into these shorter distance races and really like grit it out and um, that can be really beneficial when you move to the marathon because you have more racing experience and so that's why I think you see a lot of success with people right out of college who are used to running these track and cross country races. They're just gamers on race day. They know how to race, they know how to push their bodies. And then when they move up to these like marathon or half marathon distances, their training maybe isn't that much better, but it's just, they really know how to push it in a racing environment. And so it's a really good opportunity and a good time for them to go out and race these things. Whereas if you're taking someone who maybe doesn't do a heck of a lot of racing during the regular Mm -hmm. year, it can be tough to randomly like pull it out on race day if you're not used to doing that ever. Yeah, when you take someone who's a seasoned racer, right? They've had Mm -hmm. many, many different experiences. Um, So, you know, you take a college runner, for example, they probably ran a lot of 5Ks and stuff. So in some of those races, they maybe went out really hard um, and then they tried to hang on. Other races, it was more like just really even paced. And then other races, it was probably like a massive negative split. It just maybe depended on the timing, time of year, um, the level of competition, maybe, you know, where the meet was held, that sort of thing. And so it's the same thing when we think about road racing and as an adult, as an adult runner, um, what we want to get out of each 5K, 10K race. And for a lot of us that don't have that experience, you know, doing shorter races as a high school or college athlete, it's good to just put yourself in that environment to go through it because a lot of times we get so worked up and we're so nervous on race day and, um, you know, by doing a few 5Ks here and there, you, you start to not be as um, not be as uh, wound up when it comes to racing in general. So 
Definitely. So I think the number one thing here is just to define what your long-term goal is. This is something you don't even really need to tell anyone. It's just something you could focus on. Um, for example, I mean, these can be different too, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean bottom qualified. It doesn't mean you have to run a sub three. They don't even have to be time related. Like it could be run a marathon in 50 states. It could be training for a hundred miler someday. You just have to know what it is that is like your main focus, your number one goal, and really dial that in and figure out what it is. And maybe you have multiple things that you want to do in your running career, right? But what is the top priority? And that's the first thing you need to figure out is what is your top priority? And I think that's something that people get hung up on is they don't really know or they're afraid to commit to a top priority. So for a while, I was kind of torn between, oh, I want to run a faster marathon and oh, like I want to run these ultra marathons or become a marathon maniac. And so it was almost like you had two conflicting goals because you can't chase them both at the same time. You really want to like hone in on one i mean i guess you could chase them both for the same time but you will reach a plateau where you have to decide how you're going to train to get to that next benchmark or the next goal right so really honing in on what that long-term goal is that will set you up for success for coming up with benchmark goals so let's say your long-term goal if you're like a five-hour marathoner your long-term goal is to qualify for boston and you're a female 30 something years old you're going to want to get down into that 330 335 range so that's about 90 minutes off your marathon time it's going to take you probably a while to do that unless you have amazing talent and something I'm not really certain about, right? Like maybe you're a great swimmer and right. you have this great aerobic base. But for the most part, it's going to take people, you know, five, 10 years to kind of achieve that goal. So you want to break it down. Like where do you want to be in two to three years from now? Right. So think about that. Where would you want to be in three years if your long-term goal is to run a BQ? Well, maybe you want to be... I don't know, close to four hours in the marathon, just touching at being in like sub four hour marathon shape. And could I get close to that? And so then you have to ask yourself, what do I need to do in the next 18 months, halfway Mm -hmm. to that sub four? What's a good halfway point to sub four? Well, maybe running like 10-ish minute pace for a marathon. Um, And then you can break that down even more. So let's say you're at that five hour marathon range right now what i like people to really do is not focus too much on their marathon performance when they're setting these goals for the next 18 months focus on like how fast can you run a mile how fast can you run a 5k right we want to look at these things because these are going to tell us like how fast we really are and sometimes focusing on the mile and the 5k can help us translate that speed over into longer Mm -hmm. distance racing so if you recently ran that five hour marathon i would probably spend the next six months focusing on fast 5k how fast can we get your 5k down to then you can spend the next six months focusing on a fast half so how fast can we get your half down to then you're going to have six more months you could maybe build up for another marathon and once you have that fast 5k fast half boom the fast marathon's just kind of going to be right there but if we're not really segregating out seasons focusing on different events we're almost going to be on that marathon hamster wheel. We're going to be doing the same marathon workouts. We're going to be spending the same two plus hours on the weekends running long. Um, And that's great if your goal is to run kind of the same marathon time year after year. But if you really want to reach your potential in the sport of running, it is really good to diversify the events that you are training for and see how fast you can get in these shorter distance races because it will translate over and it will make marathon training feel significantly easier. You'll actually be on a completely different level. And that is what's going to really help you kind of achieve that whole speed goal is if you diversify things and break it up like that versus kind of being on that hamster wheel, which you can improve on the hamster wheel to a certain extent. But where we see people really have the biggest breakthroughs is where they are spending the time focusing on speed and other distances as well. Yeah, I like how you broke this down. And, you know, really, it's about identifying what are some key stimuli that I can, you know, introduce into my training that's maybe different, right? Because you want to produce a different response. Or maybe it's something you've been neglecting. Maybe you've only done speed workouts and you've never really done, like, longer threshold tempo runs. And so whatever it is, figuring that out and kind of getting more comfortable at introducing these into your into your workout regimen and over time you're going to notice a difference you're going to notice a um, feeling more confident feeling stronger um for some it might happen right away i know when we did that unleash the speed program 
few winters, you know, people would, they'd start running fast right off the bat or they'd surprise themselves with their first mile, right? And then it would only get faster as they went, went across the course of the winter. But others, it maybe took a little bit more time or it maybe took like two years to feel more comfortable and confident in their speed. So it's, it can, it's different. It's going to happen at different rates for every runner. Um, it depends on what stimulus you're introducing. And, um, it's good to have some really short term, like attainable goals. Like I just want to hit this, you know, this many runs per week for a month or whatever. Um, maybe it's 20 miles a week. And then maybe you can throw in like a, um, a workout goal. Like, oh, I want to be able to do, you know, you know, if, if the VDOT says you should be able to run a 5K at this pace, you know, then let's try to run four by 800 at this pace, that sort of thing. And just really making it simple. So I like how you talk about like bite-sized goals. Definitely. And breaking the year. So next you're breaking it up into two different parts, like a part one, anything you're doing before June 30th. And then part two is the second half of the year. And figuring out what your focus is going to be for that first part and that second part. Um, and this really helps break things down because I think sometimes people like, let's say you have the goal of running the Chicago marathon, right? So we just had everyone, a lot of people get into it. Um, we're really not going to start training for Chicago until June. So what are you going to do the first half of that year? We're not going to be doing marathon training. We're not going to be doing like 18 mile long runs and stuff to get ready for that. It might make sense to focus on some 5k work and chat with your coach, see what they think. But I always like to recommend people kind of get used to racing and really testing themselves and sometimes doing a 5k every, you know, four to six, eight weeks during that spring season that could be a really great way for you to start pushing yourself getting uncomfortable getting used to racing and you're probably not going to pr at all these races but there is something you can learn from all of these races and i think that's where the real growth lies it's not necessarily in oh like yes i crushed this race i ran a pr it's about okay i ran this race learned a lot uh, maybe don't start so fast maybe um, I don't know. There's so many right. things you can learn in any given race and really breaking that down like with your coach and just allowing yourself to be humbled by these experiences. And that's why I think racing is so important because they are our opportunities for growth. Um, because you don't want the first time you're going to be racing and testing your limits be in the marathon. And I hear this a lot from people on the social media page. They don't want to slow down on their easy days and on their long run days because they want to quote unquote make sure their body can handle the pace for these long runs. They want to run it at marathon pace to like make sure their body can handle it. But that speaks to more so they're like not super experienced racing and they don't really have that confidence in what their body can do in a race environment on race day so they have a hard time trusting the training and so i think one way you can work on that without compromising your training by doing everything at marathon pace is by actually giving yourself racing experience outside of marathon training so you can see okay it actually it does work and i can trust myself in a race environment i can push myself when the time matters and just learning from those things not every race is going to go your way but it's a learning opportunity and it's a lot easier to have that learning opportunity in a 5k or in a one mile race than it is to have it during a marathon because that can be devastating because you can't go out and like repeat that marathon next week two weeks later a month later it's just one and done yeah you know i like you talk about breaking down the year into two parts um that example of like what are you gonna do for the first six months and you know i think for so many people no matter how last year went like even if it went well and you met your goals you don't necessarily need to do everything the same way and and you know a lot of times people do that right they think they need to train the same way they have to like follow all the same long runs um because they're they're they know they got the, the desired outcome that they're looking for, right? So they think they have to train the same way. Maybe it's they're running two marathons a year, right? And they're just afraid, like, taking taking that spring season off, for example, from marathoning will hurt them. But no matter what, like, if you reach your goal or didn't reach your goal, I think by introducing these or tweaking small variables, that's really going to help, you know, elicit a, a greater response in the future. And so trying to figure out, like, okay, now, um, you know, I did, I've done very well for the last two years at 50 miles a week. Let's try to increase mileage. You know, I have an athlete like that right now, so I'm thinking about bumping them up. For other athletes, it might be just, yeah, doing more 5Ks, getting more racing experience. Um, other athletes, it might be just the half marathon. Like, we haven't really done halves. They've maybe done more fulls than they have halves, and so getting more comfortable doing the half training, that sort of thing. So figuring out, like, what is it that you can do that's going to help you um, not only reach your goal this year, but... Um, put you on a better path to, you know, reaching that long-term goal as well. Absolutely. And during this time of year, um, we're sitting at about two months since 
October. So like the Chicago Marathon one month since New York at the time of recording this anyways. Um, And a lot of people are getting back kind of into the swing of running again. And it can be really common to feel a little weird, to feel less fit, so to speak. But we have to remember that each season has a reason. So if you're in an off season right now because you just ran a marathon in the last two or three months, it's actually normal and almost good to feel like you're not in great shape because you're giving your body that adequate off season. So it is really important to have these off seasons within your training cycle and not really forcing yourself to crush these major workouts in like the two to three months after a major marathon. It's good to have that off season. And then after these off seasons, you're able to kind of build back up again. But I think if you are spending the first half of next year focusing maybe on 5k, 10k, half marathon, and you're a seasoned marathoner, you might actually find that you don't really need a big off season after you do those races and you get into marathon training. It might just be a smooth transition into marathon training. I think having at least one off season a year is really good. It really depends on how long your off season was, how much time you really needed in between. Cause sometimes people take, you know, a three, four month off season, and then maybe that can last them an entire calendar year after that. Whereas if you're taking something a little shorter, maybe like one to two month off season, you might need to be doing that twice a year. So just keeping those things in mind when you're building your plan for next year, also not signing up for too many races, right? We want to know what our long-term goal is, then we want to break it down and figure out what are some tangible goals that I can have for next year. They don't necessarily have to be concrete time goals because I don't like the whole black or white thinking thing. Back to that example of the five-hour marathoner, kind of breaking things down. Let's say they're going to spend the first half of the year focusing on a 5K time and their current 5K time, let's say, is I mean, I have no idea, like 32 minutes. Um, You could just have a range, right? It could be, I want to run close to 30 minutes, just somewhere in there, but don't have it be so black and white where it's like, if you don't hit this time, you're a failure. Cause we're just moving in the direction of that. Even if you don't run a faster 5k, it's really not the end of the world because you're still going to have these races that are learning opportunities. And in that cycle, that first half of the year, I might have two 5k races in there, maybe like a third one, or if there's maybe a four mile option, a five mile option, I like to have maybe three races in the buildup for a half marathon that are shorter. So it could be like a one mile, 5k, five mile, um, maybe a 10k, but I feel like that those are take a little bit more out of you. So having those in the buildup to your half, you could be doing them every three to four weeks and then maybe allowing three weeks in between your last race and your half and having that half marathon maybe be like the A race for the cycle, but those shorter races can serve as opportunities for racing along the way. After your half marathon, you maybe take a couple down weeks, and then let's say you want to build up for a marathon later in the year, and you're not going to really race as much when you're marathon training because you do have to have those weekend long runs. We don't have as much of an opportunity to do racing, But a few ideas, if you're looking for races, maybe you do a 5K like 12 weeks out from your marathon, 10 weeks out from your marathon, and then you could do either like a 10 mile or a half marathon at marathon pace as you get closer to the race. Maybe you're anywhere between like six and four weeks out, but you want to make sure that those are done at marathon pace and not all out racing. And then you could maybe throw in one race somewhere between 12 weeks out and eight weeks out where you're doing like a 10K or something. And these can just be fitness tests along the way. Those first, the 5K and the 10K, the first two within that marathon training cycle, those can be all out races just to see like where your fitness is at. You're going to want to do those on cutback weeks um, so that you're not doing a long run those weekends. So making sure that you're just having enough time in between to a lot for those long runs also. And so if you're having a really busy season, that's why we said talk about seasons of life. If you're having a summer where you have something going on every single weekend, well, we're probably not going to have as much opportunity to do these races because you're really going to want to prioritize your long runs. There are other things you maybe want to look at, like, can I do my long runs during the week? How is that going to work? 
but really looking at like your personal calendar and does it align with these races I want to do? Is it going to be too much stress? Because again, if we have too much stress, it causes injury, illness, burnout, all of those things. So it's really good to be selective with what you're doing and not overload the calendar. And just as a rule, like as things come up, people might try to encourage you to like sign up for certain races. And that's totally cool if you want to do that. But also remember, you don't need to race every race. Like if your friends want you to do a race with them, don't feel like you need to go out there and like be super competitive. There's a lot of times where my friends are doing races and they're really fast and they're like, oh, do you want to come do this race with me? And I'm like, no, like I'll, I'll come watch, like I'll come spectate you, but I'm not going to do that. Even though it's super tempting. Cause you're like, oh, I want to do it. It's better to just sometimes learn how to say no and prioritize what you need to be doing. And so as we get into the year, just kind of keeping that in mind is, there's certain races you want to do during the year and use those as your fitness test, but don't feel the need to like do every race all the time. Cause I see a lot of people get held back with their potential when they try to race too much. Yeah. I like how you talk about doing races during a specific training period. Um, you know, the other thing too is with workouts, a lot of times athletes think they have to do like two workouts a week, but mm. you know, if you're doing more racing, you, you're definitely going to get it by with one workout a week. You don't need to do more than that. Um, you got to allow that time for rest and recovery and um yeah your body might respond it might take your body a little bit of an adjustment to getting used to doing a little bit more harder efforts or races so um yeah whatever you can do you know this year to sort of move the needle a little bit in in terms of growing as a runner so maybe it's challenging yourself in a new way or maybe be more accountable sticking to something different you want to do more regularly um but all of these all these little things are going to pay off so i know we touched on the strength training as well that could be kind of the missing piece for you um, and if it is, let us know. We do have some strength workouts we can help you with. So, yep, we have a free strength week we can get you set up with in our app. Um, and that's at our website, www.runforprs.com. We do have a drop down menu where you can get that free strength workout. But if you're looking for more run coaching, because that's really what we specialize in, we have um, a few openings available with our coaches. We do a free consultation call with our free seven-day trial. And it's really nice to have that connection so we can really chat it out about your goals, where you see yourself long-term. And the coach can always help with breaking that down into shorter bite-sized pieces because sometimes it is nice to have an outsider's perspective and that leadership role who's helped other people achieve what you want to achieve, help you kind of break it down and maybe see what would work best for you. So if you're interested in getting started connected with a coach for a free seven-day trial, you can fill out the form at www.run4prs.com. Again, that's www.run4prs.com for a free seven-day trial and phone consultation with a coach. Thanks for tuning in.